0: From the Southern Oral History Program in the Center for the Study of the American South at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, this is Press Record, a podcast about the joys and challenges of learning history by talking to those who lived it. I'm Rachel Seidman, director of the Southern Oral History Program. And I'm Abigail Nover. Welcome to a new season of Press Record. delighted that Abby has joined the Southern Oral History Program as one of our new graduate student field scholars. She's taking over for Carol Prince as producer and co-host of Press Record.
1: I've really enjoyed listening to Carol and I'm so sad to see her go but so excited to join the Press Record team. And we're so happy to have you. Now let's dive in. In this episode, we're tackling a prominent issue across the country and the South, Confederate monuments. Back in
0: August, white supremacists and neo-Nazis marched down the streets of Charlottesville, Virginia, which as you know is only a few hours north of here. This dramatic display turned violent and ended in the death of one young woman and injuries to many others. After years of growing controversies around confederate symbols, that day focused even more attention on the relationship between the confederacy of old, white supremacy, and current-day political realities. We decided that Press Record could help bring some context.
1: Here at UNC, there is a Confederate monument on campus called Silent Sam. For decades he's been a lightning rod for controversy, and as we speak students and local activists are calling for his removal. We hope
0: that by exploring some of the issues surrounding Silent Sam and what he means to generations of North Carolinians, we can help unpack the wider issues. We'll hear from two African-American student activists separated by more than 50 years but united in a vision to remove the statue of Silent Sam. And we'll also talk to Dr. William Sturkey, a history professor here at UNC.
1: And if you're near UNC's Friday Center on October 10, you can join the conversation. The Center for the Study of the American South is sponsoring a panel on Confederate symbols in the public square. Guest speakers will include Grace Hale from the University of Virginia, Blair Kelly from North Carolina State University, and Sheffield Hale from the Atlanta History Center. That's October 10th at 7 p.m. at the UNC Friday Center.
0: So, Silent Sam was commissioned by the United Daughters of the Confederacy in 1913. He represents a young Confederate soldier.
1: When you walk through the main entrance of UNC's campus, there he stands, larger than life, up on a stone pedestal with a rifle in his hands, facing north. A bronze relief on the pedestal below him depicts an angel representing North Carolina. Her hand rests on the shoulder of a student who drops his books to join the Confederacy.
0: Now, generations of UNC students and town residents and visitors have walked past this monument. Many white people admit that they never thought much about it. Silent Sam is just part of the landscape. Others actively appreciate the statue's purpose, which they see as to honor those who fought for the Confederacy. But for others, especially African-American students, faculty, and staff, and their white allies, Silent Sam has meant something else. He's an emblem, or even a celebration, of white supremacy. In the 1960s, after desegregation of UNC and the founding of the Black Student Movement, students began protesting the statue and advocating for its removal. John Sellers was one of those African-American student activists.
2: Once you found out what Sellers' was and what he stood for, um, every time that we went from campus to Franklin Street, we would try to do any, any, everything we could to um, uh, show our disrespect for Salah Sam. It's 50 years ago. What's one of the main topics on campus? Salah Sam, what are we going to do with Salah Sam? So it, it's very interesting that some of the same topics that are being discussed and challenged and confronted with today were topics that we were dealing with back then. Um, people talk about painting uh, Silent Sam, um, doing all this. That was routine. That was an annual celebration. Was to spray paint Silent Sam, but nobody in the few On campus, and they know who Silent Sam was. It's just a statue. Why are you getting upset? Well, the statue is not the statue, it's what he stands for. Um, The history of UNC is tied so much into the history of North Carolina.
1: Sellers says once we found out who Silent Sam was and what he stood for, their feelings about him changed. To understand opposing interpretations, we should probably take a step back.
0: Okay. In 1913, 50 years after the Civil War, the United Daughters of the Confederacy, or UDC, placed the statue on UNC's campus.
3: Having studied the United Daughters of the Confederacy, having studied um, Confederate monuments and their history, knowing the context in which they were, were erected, who erected them, what other activities those people engaged in. Um, Silent Sam has always been, to me, deeply disturbing because of what it represents, which I don't think is um, congruent with modern uh, contemporary values about in terms of race. I mean, obviously, we don't have a segregated campus anymore. It's just one example. We just live in a world of very different values, and having that sort of outdated relic, right, that symbolizes many of those things, um, has always been fairly disgusting to me, quite frankly.
1: Dr. William Sturkey is a history professor here at UNC. He's working on a book about the history of Jim Crow from the perspective of both Black and white Southerners. He's studied Confederate monuments extensively and has been outspoken in the conversations about Silent Sam on and off campus.
3: One of the ways that proponents of the monument sort of shift the debate about it is they talk about the military service, but people don't come to Silent Sam to pray and to leave flowers. They don't. I've been here for five years. I've been watching it for almost five years. They don't. They come to wave Confederate flags, right, and to sort of have these sorts of rallies and take photographs. But that's the one thing. People don't come there. It's not a site of remembrance, right? They argue Often that it's a site of remembrance, but they don't actually use it as one. They use it as a staging ground to hold neo Confederate rallies, and that's not something new after Charlottesville. What happened in Charlottesville was just another example of that. Um, of course, it went to another extreme when one of the counter protesters was killed. But those the people who gathered that night in Charlottesville they weren't there to pray for the dead. And, and that sort of a thing, right? They were there to promote white supremacy, which is what the statues have always stood for.
1: During Silent Sam's dedication in 1913, Julian Carr, a local industrialist and former Confederate private, was asked to speak.
0: Yes, and this speech has actually been one of the key pieces of evidence that people point to as um, suggesting that this Confederate monument is not just about memorializing the dead. So let me read part of what Carr said. The present generation, I am persuaded, scarcely takes note of what the Confederate soldier meant to the welfare of the Anglo-Saxon race during the four years immediately succeeding the war, when the facts are that their courage and steadfastness saved the very life of the Anglo-Saxon race in the South, when the bottom rail was on top all over the southern states. And today, as a consequence, the purest strain of the Anglo-Saxon is to be found in the 13 southern states, praise God. So clearly he's not just talking about Confederate um, soldiers, but those who rested political power away from African-Americans during and after Reconstruction. That's what he, when the bottom rail was on top, is a reference to um, African-American growing political and social power during Reconstruction.
3: The, The monument doesn't represent white supremacy because of what Julian Carr said. In fact, Julian Carr isn't just a white supremacist simply because he had an off day, right, and offered those comments at the monument. Julian Carr was invited to provide comments at the monument precisely because he was a white supremacist and echoed the very same values that the United Daughters of the Confederacy and their allies wanted to express at the dedication. They knew who he was. Maybe they didn't know what he was going to say, but it's not like Julian Carr was otherwise a great champion of civil rights. He was an advocate of suppressing the right to vote of African-Americans, of violence against African-Americans, and that was just one of many speeches. We have his papers um, in Wilson Library here on campus, and you can look up plenty of other occasions, right, in which Julian Carr advocated or celebrated slavery or violence against African Americans. So it's not just the speech, right? He was invited because they knew who he was and what he represented and they wanted to they wanted to express that that statue represented something similar.
0: So right, Carr was clear that Silent Sam isn't simply a monument to honor the dead. It was meant to celebrate the triumph of white supremacy over the growing power of black people during Reconstruction, especially the fusion movement, which saw poor whites and blacks joining together in North Carolina to gain political power in the 1890s. Using violence, including the horrific massacre of blacks in Wilmington, North Carolina in 1898, Whites regained political and social control. As Carr makes clear in that speech, it was not the defeat of the Confederacy, but this victory that the statue commemorated. So one of the things that all of these different opinions about the statue makes clear is that people have been interpreting him for generations. As John Sellers said, it's not just a statue, it's what the statue means. And that's that's what people have been arguing about, and that's where oral history can help us unpack how people have been thinking about this statue over generations. I think one thing that isn't always clear to people is that people have not just started demanding that these statues come down in the last year or two. This has been an ongoing debate for decades.
1: And I spoke with Mystery Bonds, who is a current African-American student activist at UNC who is involved in a handful of social justice organizations on campus. She's one of the students leading the protests for the removal of Silent Sam now.
4: So two weeks before school started, I was getting calls, and it was between the campus Y and student government and um, uncontrollables and people at the UNC Civil Rights Center. We sat down and we were like, so what are we going to do? Because we're coming onto campus where there is the same symbol that the people around Charlottesville rallied around. So we knew walking into campus that we were going to be confronting huge issues and potentially violence against our POC and marginalized groups. And that was my first introduction into what's going around Silent Sam. I would say that I never agreed with Silent Sam. I think that's obvious as a person of color, a woman of color, but because of Charlottesville, it has, Charlottesville created the need for the statues to be removed again. Um, It made it relevant in a way. So now it's not just a moral appeal, it's remove this because it's a rallying point for these violent groups. We've seen them on campus. Our Black organizations are getting messages from these people. So now it's not just a moral argument, but it's a public safety concern.
1: What was your you know, relationship to or attitude about or um, about Silent Sam previous to Charlottesville?
4: Confederate soldiers fought to keep slavery in the South because we were, we were as Black people, <laughs> essential to the South's economic well-being. So when I think about Confederacy, the Confederate statue, the Confederate flag, my question is, okay, it is Civil War memorabilia, but what does it stand for? What were these people fighting for? And I understand that there were drafts, but the the overarching theme is they were fighting for slavery. They were fighting so that my grandparents would still be in fields or working underneath white people without being valued. And so it was like disrespect. You place a symbol to the entrance of our campus, which heightens that feeling of I don't belong here or I wasn't supposed to be here.
1: There have been a number of white supremacist groups, namely the KKK, showing up to Silent Sam this semester to protest the sit-in, which has been one of the major components of the push to remove Silent Sam. Members of these groups have confronted mystery.
4: So when I'm confronted with people who are racist... Um, people who have these ideas about the statue, people who spit on our bodies, our people. I ask myself the question. So why do they feel like this? What were they taught in school? What were, what did their parents teach them? Because I feel like a lot a lot of the reason why I'm an activist today and not somebody who will sit by the sidelines is because that was instilled into me when I was younger. We had our history lessons in school, but then I came home and I had real history. (laughs) The real history of, you know, who Martin Luther King actually was. And, oh, they told you that slavery was over because of Abraham Lincoln. No, this is the real reason why slavery is over. But there are other people who haven't had that experience. And so I feel like our number one goal in this movement, our number one goal always should be to educate people, to teach them empathy. To teach them why, even though we don't have anything in common, you should listen to me.
3: One of the ways that we continue to misinterpret what the statue means is to simply either ignore Jim Crow Um, or teach it incorrectly, right? So Jim Crow was just sort of a water fountain, right? Or a bus, no big deal. So one of the things that I do in my civil rights class, the very first thing that we do is we read um, interviews from black North Carolinians who lived during Jim Crow. And they're not talking about water fountains and buses, right? They're talking about loss of land. They're talking about having to flee the state due to the threat of fear. They're talking about their family members being attacked, right? They're talking about lost opportunities, right? Lives being thrown away, right? Lives or people being unable to advance socially. That's what they're talking about. And so one of the ways that I use this, that I can teach the statue in class is to bring in sort of the very same rhetoric and um educational mission of groups like the the United Daughters of the Confederacy who not only built statues but went into public schools to try and argue and teach people that sla- that the war wasn't about slavery that slavery wasn't that bad and that African Americans in many cases they offer the lesson that African Americans were actually better off under slavery because they don't know what to do with themselves um now that they've been liberated, right? So again, that's sort of enforcing that moral superiority. So I mean, that's what Jim Crow really was. And that's one of the things that I wanted to really hit on in terms of taking down the statues. We've done a lot of other things. We've taken down a lot of we've taken down the colored only signs or white's only signs, those legacies of the Jim Crow South. We now study different types of people. We allow new perspectives, right? that more fully capture the American experience, the Southern experience in our classrooms. We allow people of color to work at places like Duke and UNC and NC State and Wake, etc. One thing we have not done is remove these sort of pro-white supremacist monuments from our landscape.
4: University of Chapel Hill has such an opportunity to signal to other states, um, other campuses that it's not okay to have these symbols on our campuses that discount an entire population of people. We take the Confederate monument down. The hope is that other campuses will, and and I'll also clear up the argument, so we're, we're saying that we want the statue removed from campus, but we're not saying destroy it. Because we do realize that for some, this, do, this statue does represent dead grandfathers and cousins, et cetera. And while I don't necessarily like what they fought for, that's still family members. So what we're saying is let's move it to a place where it can be contextualized, not a place of honor. So right now it's in a place of reverence on the entrance of campus. But we're, we're arguing that it should be put into a, a museum or a similar type structure where it can clearly state, like, this is about or it came out as a result of the Confederacy. So for me, it shows that social justice is worth it and a well-worn avenue to achieve equality. But to the nation, it can signal that it's time for progress to really be achieved. My hope for this in the greater context of the South is for the Southern identity to be redefined. When you think about the South and being Southern, often we leave out an entire class and group of people. The narrative of the South is everyone was slave owners and everyone agreed with slavery. But what about the Black people who we were from here, the Hispanics who live here? <laughs> who don't fall into that narrative, but they also consider themselves very Southern. So I believe that by through especially through allyship, by the removal of these statues and through protest of the other symbols that the South is so entrenched in, that the South, the Southern identity is so entrenched in that we'll begin to look at what a what a Southerner really is. Um, the complexity of the Southerner, the different types of Southerners that exist. Um, so I would say that's the greater context to open up that dialogue of, you say that this is a Confederate symbol and therefore a Southern symbol, but it does not stand for me. So where does that leave me? And how can we create a definition for the Southerner that includes all Southerners?
0: So we hope by sharing these different perspectives on Silent Sam and the long history of protests against him, we've helped to add some context to the newspaper articles you may be reading about Confederate monuments across the South. That's it for this episode of Press Record. Don't forget to join us for our Confederate symbols in the public square, a roundtable that's being hosted by the Center for the Study of the American South on October 10th at UNC's Friday Center. It's free and open to the public.
1: Press Record is the official podcast of the Southern Oral History Program at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Special thanks to William Sturkey and Mystery Bonds. This
0: episode was edited and produced by Abby Nover. Thanks so much, Abby.
1: Be sure to check out our website at www.sohp.org podcast to find more information about our guests and the ongoing Silent Sam protests. As always, we want to hear from you. Email us with your thoughts at pressrecordsohp at gmail.com. Tweet us at SOHP Oral History, like and comment on our Facebook page, searchable as Press Record Podcast. Also, make sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thanks so much for listening.
0: Join us next time for Press Record.